So this is going to be shorter than a usual one. Usually it's 20 to 30 minutes. I think you know that by now. Uh, but I got life to do. And I, yet I didn't want to like skip an episode. I didn't want to like not put out an episode. So, uh, and also this is a short idea. I didn't have enough time to like write down I, uh, stuff. But I was thinking about the rules of a vampire in a different episode of a different podcast. I don't actually even remember if it was this one or a different one. But it was the idea that vampires are reflective. Oh, no, no, sorry. Vampires are not reflective. So when they walk by a mirror, they can't be seen in the mirror. But now we have digital cameras. And a lot of digital cameras don't have mirrors in them anymore. So can you take a picture of a vampire with a digital camera? I have a friend who told me that the reason that vampires weren't reflective in mirrors before is because to make mirrors in olden days, uh, they had to use silver. And just like killing a werewolf, silver had sort of life properties. So that was the reason. So even actually very technically now, if that's the reason, it's the silver that uh, you can't, is in the mirror so you can't see a vampire's reflection. It would mean modern mirrors should be reflective if they don't use silver, which I don't believe they do. I actually have no idea. I know nothing about making a mirror. Why did I say that thing? That was garbage. Please ignore that completely. But I have seen modern-ish movies where they maintain that rule that vampires do not reflect in mirrors. Okay. There have been the ones, the movies, where you can see the clothes and not their face. Like, not their body, which is almost like a joke. And then there's some where it's like the whole ensemble doesn't reflect because once I guess it's on the vampire it is encased in the aura of the vampire therefore it's not reflective so that's a question and it's this is really I don't have answers because this is fiction so if you were going to make your vampire story your your fictional uh, narrative using vampires you would have to decide does this modern technology change the rules of the vampire So I started thinking about the rules of the vampire. So the obvious one that I started with was reflection. Because they never, I've never seen a movie or read a story where the vampire looked in a pool of water or still like like, uh, a pond. Could they see the reflection in that? Because that has nothing to do with silver anymore. So I actually don't know. So you have to decide, are they reflective or not reflective? But then digital technology doesn't necessarily rely on reflections. It does go through lenses and stuff. But does that mean they would show up in a digital image? Fully or partially. You can actually make it so that they do, they're like fuzzy or something. That would actually be an interesting effect. Like, yes, they're not reflective, but they also don't get picked up very well. I think I've seen movies where the vampires don't show up on security cameras. So that would imply that digital technology, because I'm assuming those are all digital, does not pick up the vampire. But that is a decision that you have to be... If you want to make your... Basically, this is a guide to thinking about making your modern vampire story. The second one is light. So we have sunlight. Usually makes them catch on fire instantaneously. They combust. uh, And that's one of the ways you can kill them. Is to rip open the window and the sun hits them. And they're... Ah, and they die. It's terrible. But they have those lights for depression. So uh, we know that like seasonal affective disorder is a thing that happens to people. And uh, it causes depression. So they have special lights 
that mimic the power of the sun, I guess the vitamin D or whatever, if you put those lights on inside your house, would that burn the vampire? Maybe not as intensely, but would it cause them pain? So could you make a light gun, which I think would be a very science fiction-y solution to shooting uh, a vampire? And then you have to decide, would it burn them or put a hole in them or whatever? Or would that cause them to combust and then that combustion takes over their whole body? I think a lot of this should depend on whether or not they've just fed. So like if they're dried out, they haven't fed in a long time and you shoot them with the light gun, uh, I think that would mean they catch on fire and their entire body goes. But if they've fed, they have like the power of, of, of blood that they've just uh, drunk from a, a person. That it hurts them, but it doesn't kill them. But then you have to decide, like, what is it about sunlight that is hurting them? Because could, like, UV lights or microwaves or some other sort of waveform hurt a vampire the same way? That is a very interesting question. Because it's never defined what about sunlight kills the vampire. What about sunlight causes this reaction? Is it the brightness? Is it the, the, the UV rays? Is it all that kind of stuff? Then I was thinking, if a vampire wanted to protect itself, would it be possible to get a high enough SPF that a vampire could go out during the daytime? So I remember Twilight made sparkly vampires that could go out in the daytime. Uh, they didn't want to do that because if they sparkled, you could see them and you could tell they were different, which was uh, a twist, but a kind of a lame one. I didn't really enjoy the sparkly idea of a vampire. But what is it about the light? What aspect of the light causes them pain? So if it's just UV light, if they get a high enough SPF and put that on their skin, and then there's a, I have a secondary question. This is, every question brings up more questions. Because they're dead, does their skin absorb like the moisturizer or the cream? So let's say they put on sun cream. Does their skin absorb that? Or because they're dead and there's no actual like motion in their body, does it not actually absorb it? So it would just stay on top of their skin, which would be better in this case. Because if then they, they put on like SPF 50, it wouldn't absorb into their skin. So it wouldn't like break down. So it would actually have the effect for longer. And then we have UV reflective clothing. So if they put on UV reflective clothing and maybe even like a hoodie and some mask and stuff, which is all totally appropriate now that we have the, the, the Demi going on. Could they cover up enough of their skin that they could go out during the daylight? Or is it some other aspect? Like being out during daytime is what affects them. Because they, I guess, yeah, because I've seen movies where they go out, they have clothes on, but there's always exposed skin. And that's where the fire starts. So it'd be like their face or their head or their hands. And that starts and then it catches the rest of their body and burns the clothes, thus exposing more skin. There was a video game, uh, Akiba's Trip, uh, where if you slightly spelled it differently, it was Akiba Strip. And the idea was in that game, everyone was a vampire, uh, but you had to. But if they had just some of their skin exposed to the sunlight, it didn't do any damage. So you had to fight them and beat their clothes off. And that is not a joke until they were nude. And when they were nude, then the sun would hit them and they would combust or just in this case, just disappear into dust. So you ran around Akiba. I played the whole game. I think there were two or three that came out. I played one. I couldn't play another one. You played the whole game running around Akiba outside beating mostly girls, but it was girls and boys, down to their underwear, because you couldn't do full nudity for a game in Japan, down to their underwear, and then they would go, ah, and combust. It was weird. Sent it to a friend, 
he didn't play it. I was a bit disappointed because I would have liked to talk to someone about Akiba's trip. Uh, or Akiba strip. Anyways. So the sunlight is a question. I, I Again, we need a definition. And this is where science comes in to fiction. We need a definition of what aspect of the sun causes damage to the vampire. I get to the three weakest ones after that. And then one that I found really interesting that, I, again, I have no answer to. The cross being a religious symbol. Even in movies, I think that one was kind of weak because then a cross, I guess it would have to be religious because like a T-beam in a house or a T-beam anywhere, or if you just went like this with your fingers, would be enough to ward off a vampire, which shouldn't work. It's too easy. So I guess it would have to be a blessed religious symbol to have any effect. I wasn't a big fan of that. And garlic, I've always been a little surprised by. I guess garlic is supposed to be good for everybody and, and, and they want it, they want... Anyways, uh, garlic is supposed to be bad for vampires. And then I was like, oh, you could grind that down into powder. And then now in modern times, you could actually make a garlic powder shotgun shell and then shoot them with garlic. And again, I don't think that would kill them, but maybe if the garlic does have an effect, it would burn them or hurt them. It would be enough to cause a distraction. I don't think that should be enough to kill a vampire. I think that's a bit lame. But you could make, if the garlic is going to have a negative effect, you should have garlic shotgun shells that you think, and it doesn't kill them, it makes them go, ah, and it backs them up, and then you get a chance to escape. Holy water is something I talked about before on a different episode, I think the Lost Podcast. Because I learned that there are two sort of theories or ideas, religious ideas about holy water. And one is that a single drop of holy water put into another vessel. So let's say uh, my container of water here, I have, uh, I put one drop, it's full of water, I put one drop of holy water in it, that converts all the water to holy water. And then there have been movies where you throw holy water on them and it's like the Wicked Witch of the West. It actually will burn them or turn them into dust or melt them or something. It has a negative impact. But again, it becomes too easy because if you think about that theory, the one drop theory converting all water it touches to holy water, by the exponential rate of water being sort of thrown out into the world, and I again, it depends, does evaporation count? Because according to this theory, it does. A single molecule of holy water evaporates into the air, then all the air in the clouds all the water in the clouds, becomes holy water. So the next rainfall will be holy water rain, which then, of course, covers the country, gets into the lakes and the rivers and the oceans. Now all that's holy water. Within minutes of releasing holy water into the wild, everything is holy water. So that can't work. It actually ruins any narrative if that works. The second one is a dilution effect, where if it's more than 50% holy water, it converts. But even then, it, the exponential rate of uh, change, 50% to 50% to 50%, is not hard to maintain. You could come up with a, a radical plan to fight vampires by eventually making large enough amounts of holy water that you could then dump into rivers and stuff. And it would have so much... I guess rivers wouldn't work. But you could have massive containers of holy water pretty quickly and then just use hoses to shoot the vampires and that would solve that problem. 
We get to the last one, though, that I was most interested in. And this was uh, Let the Right One In. There's, a, I think, a Swedish version, or it's from Norway or something. The original is quite good. And then there's an American remake, which is also quite good. But I think, of course, you should always watch the original because it's more interesting. It's like a different cultural take on the vampire. And it's about a, a little girl vampire, and she makes friends with a little boy. And then he's like, she, they're going uh, into his room. And she says, I can't come in unless you invite me in. And he goes, why not? And she takes a step in and starts to burn. He goes, why does that happen? She says, I don't know. That's just the way it is. I really enjoyed that because they were acknowledging the rule, but also acknowledging they don't know why it happens. It's just sort of like a curse of the vampire. So he invites her in and then she can come in his room. That's been a standard rule for vampires for as long as I've known about vampires is they cannot come into your house or into your room or something specific like that without being invited in. So, Modern times, how do you invite people into your house? You generally would do it by text or email. I mean, kids aren't even using email anymore. So let's just say text. So if I text a vampire, hey, come over, is that an invitation to come into my house? It's technically just an invitation to come over. If they text me back, can I come in? And I text back, yes. Or if I text back, yeah, come on in, the door's open. Is that the same rules-wise? Because I am inviting them in to my abode, but I'm not saying it. So is it the invitation? So if I could I so again, if we go back to the old days, could I write a letter, send them the letter, they get the letter, and the letter is an invitation to come to my party? That implies they can come in, or do they need the explicit you can come in right now? That is a rule that would need to be clarified in modern times. Because if I text, meet me at my place. Does that imply that you can come into my place when I open the door? I think not. But if I did, if, if I texted, uh, the door's open, that has the implicit in, our, in English that you can come in because the door's open. But does it need to be said? And if it doesn't, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said orally? So those are the questions that need to be answered. I'm wondering if I've maybe missed some rules. Again, I didn't have time to do research because busy last week, really busy today. So I'm just trying to get this out so that you have something to think about until the next C. McBee comes out. But what you should think about is, are there any rules I missed? And how do those rules translate to modern times? That's a very interesting question. The ones I've suggested so far, the generally the most obvious vampire rules, how do they translate to modern times? Do you have another idea? But most importantly, is a text invitation enough of an invitation to stave off the curse of not being able to enter a room? Because if it is, you got to be real careful what you text. And there is also like, is it explicit or implied? I believe it's explicit, but that's a personal belief and could be disputed, which you're absolutely welcome to do chunkmabeefchest at gmail.com you can email that if you want to dispute I'm going to set up like a new voice message service for Chunk McBeef Chest so I'll be posting that in, in links and stuff in the description later uh, you can go to speakpipe.com slash velocipodcast if you want to leave a message there I still get it but that show is going to shut down at the end of December vampires there's a lot to think about Thank you for listening. 
You can subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify or anywhere you get podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube slash Podcast or streaming on twitch.tv slash chest. You can find Ninja News Japan on Facebook. Send questions or comments to speakpipe.com slash velocipodcast. Link in the description. Check out all the podcasts in the Velocipodcast family. See MickB, Ninja News Japan and Daily Affirmations Weekly. Hey, come on over to my place. Is that enough? Can vampires now just come into my house all willy-nilly now that this is in the world? Do they have to hear it? I assume so. If there is no further releases you will know vampire got me. I really like the way she said hey. Kind of went hey up at the beginning.